Bro, how dope is my freaking opening intro? That's the dopest <laughs> ever. I got hyped just uh, just watching that. So hyped, bro. So, yeah. uh, hey guys, welcome to Sunday Service. Today is December 6th. I've got Ricky Morgan on the show. We had Ricky Morgan on, what was it? Wholesale Hotline warm-up show a couple weeks ago, yeah. right? Right. So real quick, because I think um, Cody's not going to make it tonight. So you guys just need to know Cody's got the COVID. So um, we're not going to have him here tonight. But Ricky Morgan is a friend of mine. We played golf together a couple of weeks ago. And we were chatting about how Ricky lives here in Arizona. And he's virtually wholesaling and virtually fixing and flipping from New Jer or in New Jersey. And I, no joke, for like the preceding four or five months, heard everybody that lives in Jersey is like, you can't do deals in Jersey. You can't do deals in Jersey. You can't fix and flip. You can't wholesale. You can't do anything in Jersey. And then I go play golf with Ricky. And Ricky's like, yeah, I'm virtually doing all of that from Arizona, of all places, in New Jersey. So what we were talking about before the show, and if you guys want to get more in depth on Ricky, we can do that here in a little bit. But right before the beginning of the show, we were, uh, he says, Pace, how you doing? And I said, dude, honestly, I've got one, I've got the devil on my shoulder on one side and I got the, an angel on the other side of my shoulder. And they're saying, one of them saying the market's going to crash. The other one saying, no, it's not. Everything is going to be great. Keep buying tons and tons of fix and flips. What are your thoughts on it, Ricky? Because I'm sure our audience will have a lot to say about it. Yeah, um, I think it's a great question right now. I, I do think the fact that interest rates seem like they're going to stay low for a long time is going to uh, you know make people want to continue to buy, and inventory still seems low. So I'm not I'm not super concerned right now, but I think just depending what's what happens with all these shutdowns, you know, I, I don't know how much longer before. We see a lot of foreclosures maybe sometime next year. But that's, dude, that's what I'm talking about, right? So like I'm super bullish for the next, I'd say, at least six months. Yeah, we're not slowing down like our flipping as far as acquisitions. Right. So we're not, we're super bullish. We're going to continue to buy, um, yep. buying more fix and flips. I actually just thought on Friday, I go, you know what? I need to start doing some of my own outreach here locally because our, in our fix and flip inventory it go the second we put it on the market, it is gone. What about you guys in Jersey? Is it the same thing? It's it's pretty quick. I, it's not as hot as here. I mean, it's it's hard to beat Phoenix as far as hot markets. But even for small suburb towns in like New Jersey, I mean, you're seeing things over asking first day, you know, left and right. You know, realtors in Jersey are saying they've never seen the market quite this hot. So it's it's been good for our flips. You know, they're selling quickly. So are you guys primarily focusing on flips right now or wholesale? Uh, primarily flips. We, we've just been finding that uh, it's been a little harder to find deals. So we're just trying to maximize the profit on every single deal that we come across. So uh, mostly flips and, and our spreads are so big on our flips in Jersey. You know, our average retail flip, we're making 75, 80K per retail flip. So Hot damn. It's, kind of like, it's kind of a no brainer, you know, uh, but acquisitions is it, getting tougher. So we're not trying to wholesale too much uh, currently. Yeah, interesting. So the, Rob Robbins is one of my students. Um, consider him a friend, family guy from Northern California. Amazing, amazing man. Um, he says, I think the market will change and there will be a wave of foreclosures next year. But because the money is so cheap, we won't see a crash like last time. I completely agree with Rob. 
But yeah. we also let's take this into consideration, guys. I don't. I'm not. Con, I'm not convinced either way. But I'm looking at it and I'm saying, all right. We have more unemployment than we ever had. We're printing more money than we ever have. Now we're going into a second wave, and there's more COVID, um, you know, patients right now than there were before. Now there's all, also other pieces of information like um, they can test it now, whereas they couldn't test it before. So maybe back then, you know, there was more going on. Who knows? But at the end of the day, it's as bad or worse as it was before. We're going into a second wave. And I know we're, we're going to have a vaccine. I know that. I get that. But that doesn't take out the fact that we've had basically 12 million people not working for the last six, seven months. And that's going to continue at least three to five more months, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what, what I'm thinking. You know, you're not really sure when this is going to all end. And I don't know. But, but at some point, it's like they got to stop printing money and it's got to catch up. I th you would think. Right. You know, uh, th that's what I've been kind of thinking the whole time, but it, it's been interesting though. When you talk to sellers right now, they don't really feel distressed by this whole situation, which is kind of interesting. You know, they're hearing all their realtor friends tell them, you know, how hot the market is. Their their houses are going up in value. You know, I, I haven't seen too much distress from the whole COVID situation. I don't know about you guys, bro. Like I was, so I was driving home from dinner just not too long ago, and. I saw this corner in my neighborhood where I had this call about six months ago. I was talking to a, a probate attorney, gave me a referral. I was talking to the seller on my cell phone. And for some reason, it just popped up in my mind, that conversation. And I remember this was like June. So like COVID had like already brought the shockwave, right? Right. The seller was completely unfazed, did not care at all. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I feel like maybe 10% of our sellers are, you know, hey, I'm going through something COVID related, but I'm surprised that there's not more people right now that are saying, I don't have a job. I need to cash out my house right now right. and get into a rental. Are you yeah. seeing any of that? No. And, and I think that's kind of because like in New Jersey, they've done zero evictions since, uh, since it started. I think uh, my partner, Steve was, was saying that uh, this month or in a few weeks, they should start allowing evictions again. But it just hasn't seemed like too much distress from uh, any any sellers from from that standpoint. We did have a lead come in where like uh, the the husband's uh, was uh, he, he has some like sickness and, and they can't have a lot of people walking through the house because he doesn't have like much of an immune system. So right. that was over related. But besides that, I haven't heard too much from sellers talking about them not having jobs and not having income, not, not a lot of financial distress. Super interesting. So um, got some really good questions in here. We've got about 280 people watching live guys. So thank you so much. We're going to be on here for at least another hour. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we've got Ricky Morgan on the show today. Anybody that's wondering where Cody is, please send him a Facebook message or take a photo of this and tag Cody in Instagram stories and just say, hey, we miss you. Hopefully you get better. He's got the COVID. Yeah, feel better. Um, he, ha he had to like get IVs and stuff last night. Like he got pretty intense. So um, check this out. Somebody asked a really good question about you. Um, specifically, why did you choose the New Jersey market? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So I actually grew up in New Jersey and I moved out to Phoenix right after college. I was looking for sales jobs and a, a position opened up in Phoenix. I like the warm weather. I like golfing. So it seemed like a good move, but uh, I lived in Jersey my whole life. So that's why I'm over there. And I, I connected with uh, my partner now, Steve. We played college golf together and he started doing real estate in New Jersey first. So we kind of just combined forces. Uh, we, we both started kind of wholesaling at the same time. And what kind of happened was he was really good at, you know, rehabbing projects and, you know, just transactions and, and knowing how real estate deals work. He burned about 20 rentals um, kind of in, a, in this park called, called Trenton, New Jersey, low income. So he knew a lot about actually doing deals. I knew a lot about sales and marketing. So it was kind of a good combination. I think kind of like you and Cody have very different skill sets as a partner. And I think that's why you guys work so well. So I kind of feel like that's with uh, Steve and I, we, we kind of have very different skill sets. So it, it really helps us um, just not drain us of doing things that we don't like to do or things that we're not good at. Bro, I spend an hour a week getting rid of the things that take energy from me. So I'm so I, I that's a whole topic that I love j jumping into. Anybody that doesn't understand rocket fuel and the visionary integrator relationship, you are freaking missing out. So, um, Ricky, mm -hmm. what was your first deal? Was it a fix and flip? Was it a wholesale? What was it? Yeah. So my first deal ever was actually a wholesale to uh, Temp Walker. So you guys might know Templeton. I was a uh, it was before I partnered with Steve, I was running Facebook ads uh, just locally around Phoenix. And I came across a lead in Scottsdale. And this was like, I didn't really know what to do, but uh, I saw Temp on social media and I kind of knew him through an, another friend. And I heard he was kind of like, you know, a good guy to, to do business with. So I just kind of called him up. We went on the appointment together. He locked it up. I made, I think $5,000 on the assignment fee. And then I think Temp actually wholesaled it out um, on, on the back end. So it, it worked out for both of us. And I kind of, you know, just got my first deal done. I wasn't worried about making a bunch of money. I just wanted to, you know, get a deal under my belt. Bro, I'll take $5,000 on a wholesale deal all day long. Right. <laughs> and especially on your first one. Sometimes there's, I hear a lot of stories from people doing their first one where they basically, you know, make a thousand bucks. They're happy to walk away just with proof of, proof of concept, right? Yeah, I, I think that's most important when you're first starting is, you know, don't chase the money um, every deal. If you can learn from someone like you or, you know, I was I was hiking with like a guy like Zach Keeps today. You know, if you could do a deal with him, you know, you should every single time, you know, just for the experience that you're going to learn and, and see how other people operate. So, yeah, I, I love Zach. He's um, one of the best people of all time. He's unbelievable. Um, So. Um, we've got a, a comment on the screen going back to our original conversation. I'm not sure yeah. about the market crash. So many entrepreneurs are coming out of this pandemic and more are more people are now tuning into how to do business virtually. Dude, I, that couldn't resonate with me more. So for us, like one of the things that we're transitioning out of in our business is we're transitioning away from having American acquisition people. And um, it's not that we're transitioning away from it. It's that we're turning our our American acquisition people into managers of virtual assistants, because what we've done is in our Florida market, and we have another market we've been testing out the last three months, that market, 
with just virtual assistants. So they do the cold call, they do the follow-up, they do the lead management, and they do the deal conversion. They're actually converting the sellers. So they're lost. Bro, they're locking up the contract, sending it over to the transaction coordinator. None of my Americans have any involvement whatsoever. Wow. Insane. Yeah. I, I actually tried that with my business for about four months and he was able to lock up a couple, you know, like really like beat up homes. Like this is when we were kind of virtual. We went to like Alabama and just like all these like Southern States with like crappy homes. And he locked up a couple deals that weren't really deals, you know, like those like 5k shacks that we tried moving. Oh yeah. But we actually, we struggled just, just training a, a VA to, to lock up deals. So that's, that's pretty cool that you guys have kind of figured that out because I, I know yeah, we figured it out in two markets. So like for us, we've got Tino, Jeff, and we've got Nick. And then I have another five acquisition people underneath them. Right. So, um, those, those five acquisition people, what I've told them is I said, look, we're going virtual assistance by middle of 2021. We're basically only going to have our acquisition people managing five to six other acquisition people virtually. So in order for you to have that opportunity, you've got to hit certain numbers. Otherwise, we've got to basically just phase you out. And so we're giving them six months heads, okay. heads up. Just going that direction, bro, like I think the toughest part, do you have any acquisition people work for you yet or is it just you and your partner? No. So so right now we have uh, me and my partner and then we have a virtual assistant in the Philippines and he's kind of just our like admin, just kind of any tasks we got going on that we need help with. He's kind of doing it, but I have a couple people like answer some like ringless voicemails for me. If it doesn't, if, if I don't pick up the phone first, then it goes to a couple guys, um, a couple friends of mine that are trying to learn the business. So we kind of just made a deal like, Hey, you know, answer these live calls. There's nothing better than like talking to sellers live. So it kind of worked out as far as, um, you know, having them help out a little bit, but our business is literally just me and my partner. So we kind of like to keep it small for now, but, it's interesting what you and Cody are doing with those VAs and, and actually having them lock up deals. Yeah. So like the last one that we had that convinced us to go that route is a $60,000 assignment. No involvement from any American whatsoever until it went over to the transaction coordinator. And it was like, wait, okay. Like we've popped tens, twelves, fifteens, we've popped right. good deals. But when we got that $60,000 deal, we were like, okay, this is where we're going. So we did 11 contracts um, in our test market with um, eight virtual assistants. We did eight contracts with three acquisition guys in our, in our Phoenix market. So we just, we look at the amount of money that we pay out. And I, I think it's not even about the money, bro. You probably know this. Everybody on here knows what's the hardest part about running a business. Is it coming up with an idea? Is it working your guts out? Is it sacrificing your time, your energy? Is it, is it basically being stressed out the whole time? No. The hardest part about running a business in wholesale or real estate is motivating your employees to catch the vision and then not just motivate them, but have them stay consistent without you having to re-motivate them every 48 hours. It is yeah. literally like I, when I calculate how much time I spend on a weekly basis and where I, I put my time, I would say a good 10% of my time is spent on motivating and getting people to be consistent with their job. Yeah. And that's something like we, we've really tr have tried a, a few different strategies this year. And 
it's something we struggle with, you know, and that's why it's, it stayed small. We just haven't found like the right piece yet. Um, but I think to your point, it's like, well, what we did was we hire a couple acquisitions people, but the amount of training and time and like you said, energy to motivate them, be on top of them. It was almost like I was doing more work doing that than just like answering the, the calls and, you know, making the phone calls myself. Yeah, so, dude. I, I mean, with us, okay. so here's a couple of differences with virtual assistants. I see a bunch of questions between all of our stuff. Look, look at my part. This is my partner, Matt Beard, by the way. So Matt Beard says $600,000 from Philippine acquisitions so far in the last four months, it can be done. So that's our, that's our company. That's my business partner. Can you guys train the, the VAs yourself? So what here's here's what we did. Um, this is a self-promoting piece. So guys, I apologize for this. This is self-promoting. We um, were using virtual assistants between Matt and myself and Cody, and then we decided, man, we have there's so many people that don't understand how to find a good VA, and they they don't realize this is what this is the number one reason why people fail with a VA is that they have no idea how to train them, keep them, you know, on task create standard operating procedures so that VA continually does the same task over and over, how to measure it, um, and then also how to scale and what does that organizational chart look like. So Matt, Cody, and myself created a company called vahub.com. Um, I'm more of an investor than I am, you know, a, an operating partner there. I'm, I don't do anything over there other than just talk about the services. Yeah. Matt, Cody, run it. So what we've done, and this is what we plan on doing in 2021, is we plan on building out a VA, like you you plug in, you literally are like, hey, Pace, Matt, Cody, I'm, I'm ready to go into business. And we literally hand over an, like a, a team of people that are already trained in lead management, cold calling, lead conversion, like sales, and then transaction coordinating. So it's like, you don't have to go find them. You don't have to hire them. You don't have to create SOPs. You literally, these people already know exactly how to pull a list. They know how to follow up. They know how to convert and they know how to find buyers and, and get a transaction done, right? So yeah. we're creating a bundle over at VA Hub sometime in 2021 that will emulate our current business model. And that business model will be a, basically a plug and play, right? So where it comes from is there's guys like um, Rylas Dana, one of our probate attorneys that's like, I want to wholesale. I want to get into the wholesaling and real estate space, but I don't have the time to do all that. So we go, dude, why don't we just do a business in a box for somebody who actually has a budget that says, dude, I don't want to go through eight months or 10 months or 18 months or whatever it is to get started. Yeah. The other thing that we realize is that people will go out and spend 30, 40, 50, 80, $100,000 in education on real estate and still never get a deal. Yeah. Right. And so what we're saying is saying, hey, We'll give you, you know, whether you're sub two or you're astro or whatever, like just take one or two mentorships. Don't take 10, take one or two mentorships, get, get a community that you can go and rely on and then go spend your money on actually building your business, not hiring more coaches and doing all that stuff. So we realize there's a need in this, in the space for people that are spending money on anything, everything, but actually generating leads. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean like me and my partner are always talking about like revenue generating activities. You know, like we, we always have to be top of mind of making sure we're doing that part of the business because that's what keeps everything else going. Right. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty dope that you guys are doing that because I feel like, like right now, if we had someone to just do a little bit of lead management and just set us appointments, 
like I don't mind. I actually love, you know, closing deals. So like, I don't want it. I don't want to give that away because that's what like fires me up in the morning is like when I have something I know we could close, you know, negotiating the deal, you know, getting the seller's price out and locking it up. But I, I it would be really cool for us to have someone, you know, just set, set us up with appointments. Um, then kind of our, our strategy is we set an appointment. My partner, Steve goes there. He walks the property, takes photos, I get back on the phone, I negotiate the price and lock it up over the phone. Right. So it'd be cool to have like a VA to just, you know, answer, you know, call our cold call leads, you know, once they come in, answer RBMs, you know, just do kind of lead management because that's what I'm struggling with is just, uh, you know, I don't want to make those like medium to cold lead calls right now. You know, I have so much other stuff going on within my business that definitely that part is kind of slipping a little bit. Yeah. I feel like you know, a lead manager type of role would be a good fit for that. So check this out. Tell me if you think this would be sick. So I, in my sub two mentorship, we have literally like 30 hours, 40 hours a week that we're doing Zooms, right? So it's me at least three days a week on average. I'm in there four to five hours. I'm answering questions, structuring deals, talking to sellers, doing everything I possibly can. Then I have like 25 employees that support sub two mentorship behind me. Damn. Um, and then also my acquisition team comes in on Wednesdays for two hours on Wednesday. And you just get to hear them follow up with, you know, calls that they've, we've, our VAs from VA hub have already set up the appointments. Um, and then my team for two hours on Wednesdays lets my sub two students watch for two hours on Wednesday. Okay. Then we do sales training on Friday. That's Tino, Nick, Jeff. That's my team. Now I go to Atlanta mm -hmm. and I'm talking to one of my students and he goes, dude, that it's game changing to be able to do that every single week. Watch your team. I then go practice. I come back the next week. I get better, so on and so forth. And I go, dude, is there anything else I can do to help you even more? Right. We're face to face in Atlanta. A couple, this is a couple of days ago. Yeah. It was honestly, I would love to watch somebody cold call so I can see other people getting told F you, F off, all that right. kind of stuff. <laughs> Happens and all so the time. I call Matt, I call Matt and I go, hey, Matt, who's our best cold caller? Like not best as in like the most amazing charismatic person, but the best in terms of consistency and is good at handling the F U's and all that kind of stuff. Even right. if he's not converting the highest, um, you know, somebody that actually knows how to overcome these things the way as close to an American as possible. Yeah. So he goes, that's easy, dude. The guy's name is sweet Rob, sweet Rob. And I go that his first name's sweet. And he goes, no, no, no. He's just, his name's Rob, but he's just like the sweetest guy in the world. So we call him sweet Rob. I go, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to put sweet Rob. Cause he's dialing for us five, sometimes six days a week, eight hours a day. I go, yeah. I want to put sweet Rob on a re on a live zoom one day a week for eight full hours. So everybody can watch him cold call, right? See how many leads he gets fresh leads. How does he convert those over to, to our podio? How does he handle this? How does he handle that? How does he set up the expectation for, um, you know, the seller to expect a call from my acquisition team? Yep. Then we got like excited for, about this, right? We get super excited, right? Dude, this is so this is exciting. All right. What more can we do? And I go, well, our lead manager is pretty damn amazing. Why don't we have our lead manager go live one day a week? 
Then it turns into, why don't we have our um, text message, the person who manages our text messages on batch leads all day long, why don't we have them do a screen capture live all day long, one day a week? Then it was like, okay, what else can we do for people? And then I, I told Matt, I go, well, you're having a, a weekly session with all of our teams. So we have about 30 VAs and our goal is to go to 35 to 40. And I go, you're having this meeting every week, you know, for two hours where you're talking to the lead manager, you're talking to the heads of the organization. I think it would be really helpful for people to see a behind the scenes and be part of that meeting on a Zoom, even though they're just a fly on the wall. And Matt's like, dude, are you freaking kidding me? This is the this is like the most value you could ever bring to anybody. And so that's um, what okay. we're we're gonna we're gonna build that out in probably the next week to two weeks. Everybody in the comments, we've got a little over 300 people watching live tonight between all of our live streams. Appreciate you guys showing up. Um, would you guys get value out of that? Dude, so Pace, listen to this. So uh, before I got into real estate, I worked in sales. I worked at Yelp. So you know Yelp, the app, fine restaurant? Oh, yeah, yeah. So for three of the years, uh, I, I was cold calling. I was making 80, 100 cold calls a day to business owners on Yelp where people, you know, just talk bad about your business. We, we give a hard time about reviews to these business owners. Like Yelp is like very consumer friendly, not business owner friendly. Oh dude. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. So we would try to sell them ads. So like I got really good at, at like cold calling and, and learning that rejection of like, you know, people just hanging up on you all day long. You know, you have to kind of get used to that. So I felt like when I got into real estate, like all that rejection from Yelp, uh, was was such a, a value to me because I, it was like now like when people tell me to go you know f off or whatever it's it's no big deal you know it's on to the next phone call but right. I think to your point too then I moved up and I actually managed the sales team and uh, whenever I got a new person and we tried getting them good at sales the number one thing I had them do was uh, listen to you know phone calls of the the people on our team that were selling the most so they could see exactly how they handled the conversation from you know th their tone, the questions that they asked, how much were they listening versus talking. And then I would also have them listen to their own calls. So I think um, everyone that wants to get better at cold calling, definitely record your own calls and then listen to what you're saying because it's crazy. Like my team would think that uh, they were saying one thing on the phone, like, oh yeah, I was being assertive. I was asking for the sale. And then I'd be like, let's listen back. And we listen back to the call and they were being <laughs> Super like they're like, I asked for the sale three times. I'm like, where, you know, and they, they never asked for the sale or maybe they asked like one time and then got an objection and didn't overcome it, you know? So that was the best way um, that I trained my sales team to get better was through recorded calls, through, you know, role plays, through listening to your own calls. So I think like you're right on, um, you know, the right track with that. Yeah, I think it would be, I would think it would be really, really cool. What we would do is, um, you know, choose one of those. We, we probably figure out five days a week to go live, literally just eight hours, their whole shift. So it's not like I'm, I'm completely messing up their day where, you know, they're having a coach or answer questions live. We just turn a, a zoom on so you can watch them. And we just give the zoom link out to, we were, what we were thinking about doing is like, okay, if you're a YouTube subscriber of my YouTube channel, you get access to sweet Rob. If you're a this, then you get access to that. And then if you're a sub two student, you get access to Matt and all the other things and whatever else. We were trying to figure out like 
how to give the most value to my students, but also give some good value to the community and give back. I remember when I first jumped into the game, it was a couple of years before you jumped into the game. Well, probably five years before you jumped into the game. When you jumped into the game, Ricky, just probably in the last 18 months, yep. our local community here in Phoenix is like tons of go-givers, right? So people go on appointments with you. They'll help out. I mean, but five dude, years I, ago. I was, at your, I was at your office, your batch office, like after I did like one deal, the day after um, you got that text message about the sub two. Oh, yeah. Do you remember you had a meetup that like next day at the batch office? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it, we were doing like, uh, I don't know how many people we had, probably close to a hundred people. It was, a, it was a really good turnout. Yeah. Like I was there. So like, you know, I, I say how fortunate I am that I kind of had that in the Phoenix market that, you know, people don't get everywhere else. Yeah. We're, we're, we're really lucky. But like when I first started out, I would reach out to people and say, Hey, can I go on an appointment with you? And people were like, uh, yeah, no. I, why would I go on an appointment with you? Why would I show you what I know how to do? So yeah. People then ask me all the time, why do you go on these ride-alongs? Why do you take people on ride-alongs? And obviously COVID has really stopped that. But yeah. I just loved being able to provide something to somebody that I felt like if I had that, I would have shaved two years or at least a year minimum off my my learning curve, right? Totally, yeah. Let's no, see I here, guys. We got so many great comments. I'm so sorry. We've been yammering away. We've got over 300 watchers um, between all of our streams. I appreciate you guys showing up. Rob Robin says, can we mention that Ricky has done uh, what he, you've done in the last 15, what Ricky has done in sales over his last 15 deals? Absolutely. Ricky, what, what have you done in sales? So we've done 600, about 600,000 in gross revenue and about 500 in net. So uh, we had about 100K in expenses this year, did about uh, 600 on 15 deals. So about 40,000 a deal. That's pretty amazing, dude. I mean, between the two partners, you guys pulling in a quarter million dollars a year. Um, I imagine you were not making that at Yelp. No, no, definitely not. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a cool transition. And, um, you know, just like kind of looking at what you've done too. Like I think of like that meeting at the batch office and, the, and then to see like what you've done since then in such a short amount of time, you know, it gets me excited to think about like, you know, the next few years, you know, just kind of keep it growing. So what are your thoughts on fix and flip? Because I, for me and you, like you and I, I love hanging out with you because we can talk fix and flip. For most people, fix and flip really scares them, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not just a quick assignment. It's like, oh, wait, I have to like tell people to do some construction and I have to do this and I have to like actually know real estate. What would you say to those people like on a scale from zero to 10, how easy is this and how hard? 10 being the hardest. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends like where you're at. I, I always say like, you know, finding deals and just marketing and just like getting deals under contract is a whole big, you know, deal in itself, you know, a ton of work goes into that part. And then same with the rehab side. So like a guy like me, I, the best thing for me to do was to partner up with someone that already had that experience instead of me, you know, getting my teeth kicked in, you know, not knowing what I'm doing on rehabs, you know, I, I found a good partner that had that experience. So I just like, I've never managed the rehab myself, but I partnered up with someone that I trust and that knows what he's doing on rehabs. So not that, and, and now I've learned so much from us doing rehabs together that, you know, eventually we, we want to start uh, maybe doing a couple projects out in Phoenix. Uh, maybe if, if the market, 
I don't know. Just the spreads are so much bigger in Jersey right now. It just kind of makes sense for us to do. Yeah, I mean, dude, our so our spread, um, our average spread, this is kind of cool. Um, I don't want to jinx it. I actually just got a text message from the girl. Literally, just this barely pops up. Yeah. She just barely sent me a text a couple of minutes ago. Um, the head of recruiting for the A&E television broadcasting network um, it has been interviewing and doing um, converse, having Zoom conversations with Jamil and I about putting a TV show together. Oh, dope. About wholesaling and fixing flipping and like integrating wholesale into that and integrating creative finance into that and how Jamil and I are technically competitors, but we work with each other. Anyway, yeah. it's getting serious. Like she's texting me on a Sunday night, right? Like, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this type of stuff. So um the the thing about fixing and flipping is that it is she's in, we're in this conversation and she goes, so how much do you guys make on an average fix and flip? And I tell her, I go, we probably make 35 to 40 grand. And that's actually pretty high for Phoenix. Like Phoenix yeah. is probably more like a 25, 30, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's like, that's all. And I'm like, yo, Amanda, like this is a very competitive market. Fix and flippers. Yes. We've had fifties. We've had seventies. We've had nineties. We had, um, in the beginning of the year, we had a hundred thousand dollar deal, but our average deal is truly around 40 K. Right. So for you, like if you were going to accelerate your growth and this is a good question, I'm going to tie into, I'm going to ask you two questions here. Yeah. David on the screen says, how is Ricky getting most of his deals? So Ricky, here's my question. How are you getting deals? And if I told you, Hey, you need to amplify how many deals you're going to get. Would you want to amplify those in Jersey or would you amplify those in Arizona? Yeah. So as far as how we're getting most of our deals, it's honestly like pretty spread out. So out of the 15, uh, the top two were RVMs and cold calling. I think cold calling, we get the most leads from, but it's also the, the most work to go through those leads because it's a lot of like, you know, tire kicker type leads. Um, the RVMs have been good. Uh, that's probably our best ROI. And then, um, you know, we, we do banded signs, we, we run internet ads, you know, on Google and Facebook a little bit, SEO. So we, we kind of do a little bit of everything and we get a few deals for, from every source. So I, I wouldn't say we have one that's like totally killing it over another as far as when, when it comes to marketing. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. So I hear all the time people say, focus on one marketing mechanism until you perfect it. And right, I... Right. I don't agree. I don't with know it. that I agree with that. I don't because it's it's just like um, you got to hit people in different ways because here's the thing: like you might get, uh, let's say, like data. So if you have a list of data, what are the ways you could hit them? You could hit them with a cold call, you could hit them with a text message, or you could hit, hit them with a voicemail. But what if that address that you want to buy their house? What if you got the wrong phone numbers? What if just you know not all the data is perfect? Mm -hmm. So you know that person you might never get in front of that person if you're only doing data marketing. But if you also have banded signs out, if you also, you know, show up on a Google search or you have a radio ad or whatever it is, you know, you're on social media. There's a lot of different ways where I think it's good to kind of be uh, for people to be able to find you a lot of different ways and, and not limit yourself to just kind of like one form of marketing. So that's my, that's my perspective on it. I'd rather be like pretty, just kind of all over the place. As long as I can manage the leads. If you can't manage the leads, don't don't spend money on marketing because you're just going to be throwing throwing dollars away. But if you could handle the lead flow, I think it's good to kind of spread yourself out from from a marketing standpoint. 
I like that a lot. I mean, it's a, it's a really good point. Let me answer a couple of questions in here. We got, got a couple of creative finance questions, which this is Sunday service after all. Usually I only talk creative finance, but here we are talking about fix and flip and all that kind of stuff. Let me jump on a couple of things. So Baller Z says, can you buy a house subject to that requires a down payment and the seller finance the down payment? The answer is yes. One of my better deals of the year was a seller that originally, um, and I shared this recording with, I share all my recordings with my sub two students, but um, I walk into the lady's house. Lady mm -hmm. says, I want, um, you know, this number on cash. I go, that's not going to work for me. I'm not a buyer for you, but I would buy it on terms. We get into a conversation and she goes, okay, tell me how terms work. I tell her how terms work. She goes, wow, that sounds great. We work out a purchase price and then she goes, okay, so what's, what's next? And I go, well, we've got to talk about, you know, what you want in order to move forward. She goes, well, I want $20,000 down and I want 8% interest. And I talked her into um, $10,000 down, 0% interest. Oh. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good 30 minute um, recording. You know, I'm sitting there in the living room and the, how I converted her is a whole nother conversation. Right. But what, what I did is I said, here's the thing. I don't want to give you the $10,000 right now. I'll give you the $10,000, but what I, what I basically want, you know what, here, I'll show you, I'll show you the document. Cause I think a lot of people that have never seen a deal like this will be like, oh my gosh, it guys, when we talk about buying 0% seller finance deals and we talk about, um, you know, having a seller seller finance, the down payment to you, it's not hocus pocus. It's not, Hey, this is some, something that could happen if you were really, really good at this business. It's something that happens to us often. So yeah. I'm going to pull this up real quick and uh, give you guys a little uh, peek, not a peek. I'll show you my document. I'll show you my HUD. Let's see. Sign docs. Okay. Um, let's do a little screen share. Um, okay, here we go. So here we are. Um, here's the address of the home. Um, where is it? Well, this is my address. This is one of our LLCs. We don't use this LLC anymore. Um, we basically buy and here's the address of the house. You guys can pull it up, look it up. Here's the title company that did the work. Here's the seller's information. Um, so we don't use this LLC anymore other than holding property because every time we buy 20 houses, we go create another LLC. We hold a maximum of 20 houses per LLC. Okay, so check this out. So seller right here. Let me just make sure we can see this. Oh, yeah, there you can. You can see it. Awesome. Okay, yeah, so note and deed of trust. I bought this home for $100,000 as you guys can see. If you look down here, check it out. I bought this property on March 31st, 2020. I then gave them a $5,000 down payment six months later, and I don't have to give them another $5,000 down payment for another six months after that. Now check this out. This is the problem. That's cool in and of itself. Does that answer your question? The answer is yes. Here's the address. Here's the date I bought it. Here's everything. Okay. Here's proof. Now here's the interesting thing. Okay. The interesting thing is right here in regular monthly installments of 375 or more payable on or before the blah, 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 with all interest on principal at a rate of 0% per month. 
interest. So this, my payment to the seller is $375 per month. All principal. All principal. I bought a house with no money out of my pocket. My payment to the seller is $375. Okay. Then I have that rented right now for $1,400 a month. Oof. Okay. All we did was we put, um, we stretched the carpet. We didn't even replace the carpet. My partner, Cody, is like, hey, the the, one of the bedrooms is missing a door. I go, dude, rent it out. Just freaking rent it out. So that thing's been rented out at $1,400 for since March. We cash flow net net, like after we put some vacancy and repair allocation to the, another bank account, which is another conversation for another day. We net net on that property a little under $800. Oh, I mean, nothing out of pocket. It can't be that. And, no, and no. I don't think people understand how important, like 0% interest is like huge. You know, I, I don't right. think people understand like compared to like, you know, how important zero is compared to like 4% sometimes. Dude, it's significant just between zero and 2%, right? right. Like yeah. just because the front, the first 10, 15 years of that mortgage are primarily mostly interest. So you're paying a lot of money in interest, even if you're at 1%, because you're paying the majority of that interest up front. So the yeah. loan that we got from the seller, they sold it to us on seller finance. Um, that situation, um, here's what's funny. Where'd the $5,000 come from? Private money? No, my cash flow. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. So that's so how I, you- the reason I built it this way is because I knew I could cash flow a little, like a right around eight hundred dollars a month. Multiply that by six. Where oh, am I at? Yeah. Right. That's- I'm like right at that five thousand dollar mark. So my cash flow has actually paid for the down payment on the property. Right. So people are like, oh, I'll, I'll, th- when, where do I get the money? I'm like, you get the money from the cash flow. Like, what are you talking about? You buy the house with 0% seller finance. You give the seller, yeah, I'll give you $10,000. Just give me a year to do that. You take the income from the renter. Meanwhile, the payment that you made to, you make to the freaking um, sellers paying $375 down every single month. And then yeah. my nearly $1,000 in cash flow is paying their, the down payment. So in March, we will, that's basically a free house. That house is worth about 150,000 bucks. Oh yeah. Bro, bro, <laughs> insane. So, um, anyway. Like that out here, man. With all the, bro. I mean, the I get, are- you know, it's interesting. A lot of my New Jersey students originally, like you can't do deals in Jersey. And I'm like, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. You tell me, like, if I was going to go into the, if, if somebody told me to stay at, Let's say we go to dinner, three people, you, me, and somebody else. It's like, don't go into Jersey. What would you say to the person across the table and saying, Pace, like, don't listen to this guy. Jersey is what? Yeah, I would say, you know, Jersey has opportunities for sure. Like, I I think every market, here's my perspective, and let me know what you think on it. But I think every market has opportunities. I think there's always opportunity to, to find a distressed, motivated seller, you know, in a desirable area where you could fix it up and, you know, make a profit on it. So I think it, it is competitive. And I think when I see like uh, people talking about Jersey, not everything's a deal. There's like a bunch of, it, it's hard to comp in Jersey because like it, it's such an old place. You think of like Phoenix, you know, there's not stuff built in like the 1800s or in like early 1900s. In Jersey, you have a lot of like weird one-off properties. 
um, oil ground, uh, like uh, underground oil tanks and just, you know, a lot of strange properties that I think people are contracting bad deals. And then when they don't move, they get confused of like why they can't move any deals. But if you, if you get like a good deal, it sells very quickly. Um, you know, like, like we put in an offer on an on market, uh, it was on market for one day and there were like 20 offers and they, they took like 25 K over. So it's not like there's no competition there, but I think there's competition everywhere, you know? So I don't know what they, I, I don't know exactly what they mean, but a lot of people have said that to me as well from, from New Jersey. Maybe it's like the people, the people there are definitely, uh, you know, a little more harsh on the phone, I think. You know, you got New Jersey people saying, you know, why the hell are you calling me? You know, get out of here. But uh, but I, there, there's definitely deals there, man. So, but you could keep believing there's not deals and, you know, save them for me. Exactly. Well, here's the way I look at it. I think that I would never go to a market that's not highly competitive. Yeah, the yeah. Reason, there's demand, right? There's people that are yeah. fixing and flipping. There's people that are sitting there negotiating with sellers. So if you learn how to collaborate and JV with people, and you, you know, maybe if you're using creative finance, you can go to wholesalers and say, Hey, anything you don't have that doesn't make sense for you on a wholesale front, send it to me and I'll help you convert it on a subject to or seller finance. Right. right. I would look at a market that has low competition as somewhere I would not want to go because I have less people to play in my sandbox with. Yeah, you do. And, and that's kind of what, what happens. I think, you know, there's, there's not a lot of real buyers there too. So on, on some of these tight assignment deals, like, you see how like deals move in Phoenix, people like buy them sight unseen, you know, money's in, in hours, you know, in escrow, there's not as much of that in New Jersey. So I think it's, uh, it's definitely important to try to find like a couple like legitimate buyers that could like walk the property once and actually, you know, buy the deal and not just daisy chain it. You see a lot of that over there right now too, but I feel like you da daisy chaining is something that, that um, I, you just have to get used to in this business. We have, we do it all the time. I had a deal a year and a half ago that I had nine people after me. So I was direct to seller. Right. I made 35K assigning to somebody and it was nine people after me, 10 wholesalers total daisy chained off my deal. That's nuts. It was insane. It wasn't like 10K. It was like 3K, 2K, 1K, right. 3K, 2K, yeah. right? It was just insane. And then the guy at the, at, at the end, the funny thing is the guy who actually bought the property is somebody I already knew. Uh, so you could it's just so funny how that works out. Um, Shane wants to know what CRM are you guys using for your leads? Yeah, so we use uh, custom built Podio. So if you if you want more info, Shane, just uh, DM me on uh, Instagram, and I'll yeah, his uh, guys. His name is on his uh, right yeah. there. His moniker is right there. Real Estate Ricky underscore. Yeah, but, um, but uh, good question. But Podio, uh, like a lot of other investors, Podio is kind of like one of the staple CRMs. So Dylan Good um, is making a good comment. So Dylan Good's over in West Virginia. He's one of my students. Okay. And interesting story with Dylan. So he comes into my mentorship. We're on a Q&A and I'm going to call him out a little bit because this is actually what the story is about is me calling him out. So we're on a Q&A. He's asking me questions that tell me he's not in the middle of a deal right? He's just asking theoretical questions like, oh, well, what if this and what if that? And I'm like, Dylan, the questions we need to convert, have you ask me are, hey, I'm in the middle of X, Y, and Z. Can you please answer this question? I need help, right? Like, totally. I don't mind answering the theoretical, but that's what my recorded trainings are for. My 20, 
30, 40 hours of like live Zooms every week are for situational stuff. Like, give me situations. Tell me you're in the middle of something. And he's like, well, I don't have a lot going on. So I told Dylan, who's a mentor, like a mentee of mine, I go, you are banned from the Zooms until you have a problem for me to solve. Like a real problem on a real deal. You're banned from all the Zooms. And he's like, what do you expect me to do? And I go, bro, you need to go to all the wholesalers in your market and you need to say, send me your leads that aren't converting. Yeah. So he gets, he, he gets into the Zoom like a week later. And this isn't, dude, this is an interesting story. I'll show you the, the Venmo for this too. It's a very interesting story. So he brings this lead to the table and he goes, hey, I've got this deal in Vegas. And it came from a wholesaler's dead lead. It has no equity. The seller just bought it in January. Mind you, this is April of this year. Yeah. Seller bought it in January. How much equity does he have if he bought it on a VA loan with zero money down? Yeah, nothing. Right. He's underwater technically, right? So right. after closing costs, yeah, he would have to bring money to close if you want to get rid of that. So I get on the phone with the seller, he has no equity. And then we find out this house won't cash flow because it's in an area that just the rent doesn't crush it. So I tell Dylan, I go, let me talk to the seller and I will buy this deal from you. He's like, you'll buy a no equity, no cash flowing deal. I go, absolutely. And at the time I was going to turn into a corporate rental. So anyway, I turn this, I get, I get on the phone with a student. This was great because it's all on recorded Zooms. I get on the yeah. phone with the student's lead. The seller's name is Xavier. And he says, I need $10,000 and I'll let you buy my house sub two. I then convert him to $0. So he then just hands his keys to me. Then what I did is I convinced him to pay his own closing costs. So he actually is Venmoing me because he didn't have the money for the closing costs. So here I am, uh, what is it, seven, eight months later, this guy every single month sends me a Venmo for $147.05 which is the closing cost divided out over a year. So he goes, I'll pay the closing costs, but I don't have the money. So I'll have to pay you every single month. So this guy, Xavier, is still paying me on a property that I got for free from him that I turned into an Airbnb that I net $1,700 a month on. So guys, like there are so many sub two deals out there and seller finance deals out there where you can structure it, where you get into the deal without any money. Now, here's the best way to do a sub two or seller finance deal without any money. Like the easiest way to do it. You wholesale it to a guy like me, right? You don't have to convert these and take them down yourself. You don't have to go get a loan. You don't have to do the renovation. You can wholesale a subject to and a seller finance just as easily as you can wholesale a traditional cash a cash deal. Okay. Um, Anise, actually, this is one of my acquisition guys, Anise. Anise says, if a seller wants you to take over their mortgage, they got very low equity and they want no money, just take over their loan. Would you buy that property? If oh, bro, I just, that's funny that I just told you the story. Yes. The answer is yes. That my deal in Vegas is exactly that situation. Right. Yeah. I converted, uh, it was a non-cash flowing deal. I converted it to an Airbnb and it's one of my best uh, cash flowing properties. Um, how'd I do it? What do you mean? How'd I do it? I just told you how I did it. Uh, Minerva, M Minerva says, uh, comma high. I agree. Okay. I don't, there's so many chat things going on here in here. Hold on a second. 
Here we go. Daryl Banks, by the way, Daryl. So Daryl Banks, this is an interesting yeah. thing. Daryl Banks is one of my students. It's in the Northeast. Okay. Okay. And he's, um, I told him if you live in the New Jersey area and you're trying to wholesale, fix and flip and all that kind of stuff in New Jersey, I personally wouldn't. I want to go somewhere that is warm all year long. And I want to go where there's tons and tons of people doing tons and tons of business. So I've advised him like, Hey bro, try Florida, try Texas, try Arizona. What advice would you give? I want, I want, Daryl's asking you one question, but I want to ask you two questions. Daryl lives in that area. Would you guys be, would you and your partner be willing to chat with Daryl and have conversations with him? And maybe he could be one of your guys' bird dogs. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I think, um, what I, what I was thinking of pace, because I know you said you have a lot of, uh, Northeast tons, tons. Uh, how about anyone who's uh who's listening to this now that's in uh Jersey around New York City and Philly if if you're in any of those markets um DM me and we'll just set up a 30 minute phone call. No you know call. what we should do bro is I have I literally have probably 50 to 75 sub 2 students in um Jersey and New York. Yeah. Um Philly would probably bump that to like 100 over 100 people easy. We should have you do a specific Zoom with my students this week where it's just the Northeast group and you and do like an hour Q&A and find out how they can work with you and your partner, Steve, to bring deals to you. And then also, I think my students or anybody really, for that matter, knowing you that you're a go-giver, you these people would be benefited on any fix and flip you guys have coming up that you go, hey, we're going to do like an open house of this fix and flip. You guys come down. We'll show you exactly yeah. what we're doing. Would you be open to doing that? Yeah, for sure. Um, we're, we're trying to um, definitely kind of do more of that um, over this next year and stuff. So we're trying to just, I mean, like kind of like taking, uh, you know, you're, you, you kind of set the, the the path for us and we're trying to bring it to New Jersey as far as, you know, just kind of giving back to the community and trying to like, you know, really help these, um, th these new people in New Jersey and like the, the Northeast. I think there's like a few different, ways of doing things that I think a lot of the teaching that you hear on like YouTube and stuff, it's not really from people from the Northeast. It's from a lot of people from North Carolina, a ton of Phoenix, you know, it's kind of more like out West. So I think there are like some, some small little things that as far as like just determining, like I said, um, you know, my buy price is different than your buy price. Right. Because the expectation in New Jersey is just higher for flippers. So there's just like, I think small little things. And, and we also like Dispo deals in, in Philadelphia and, uh, and like North Jersey. So there, there's a lot of little things that I think I could definitely help uh, some students out with. So yeah, that, that'd be awesome. I All think, right, let's uh, do this. So I've got, I can see, can you see the chat if you're a guest? Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing, I'm just seeing, uh, the chat on the bottom. Okay. Like, yeah. We, dude, I've got hundreds of chat between all of the uh, Facebook oh, yeah. and YouTube oh, stream. I went to the comments on. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this is, um, and we're guys, we're over 300 viewers. I really appreciate you guys a lot. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I want Maurice or Marlon, probably Maurice, cause Maurice already volunteered himself to, so we'll set this up for this coming mark or for this coming week. Cool. And I'll have um, Ricky come into your guys's shy, shy Marlon or Maurice. What day is your guys's accountability call? That's another cool thing about our, our mentorship is that 
every geographical area has an accountability group that okay. meets every week or every other week and they all work with each other. They role play, they work leads together, they share buyers, all that kind of stuff. So, um, That's so awesome. yeah, my that. students are saying it's Thursdays. Okay. Yeah, I could, I can do it Thursday for sure. Marlon, what time on Thursday works? Cause I'll, I'll create a zoom link for you guys. Thursdays at 7 PM, but you guys got to remember we're in Arizona shy. Is that 7 p.m. our time or 7 p.m. your time? Do you see how many students I have from New Jersey popping in here? Yeah, man. I, lo I love it. Um, okay, so. East Coast represent. Yeah, I mean like 7 Eastern. Yeah, whatever time works for you guys on, on Thursday. Okay, cool. So that's 5 p.m. this Thursday. I'll set that up and I'll send you the Zoom link for, for you to jump in there. Yeah. Yeah. I could just answer, you know, any, any questions, any of your students have anything they want to learn. What uh, I would, what I would want is I want you to teach them how to bring you opportunities so that they can JV with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I think to, you know, I think we were going to touch upon it more, but uh, you know, we were talking about how, how we found all of our deals this year, how it came up earlier and all of our deals were direct to seller marketing. So I think what I've learned from, you know, a lot of the guys out here that I spend my time with is, you know, they get a ton of deals coming to them where, you know, people need help with deals in different ways. And just JVing deals is something that we definitely, for us to get to like 25 flips next year, which is our goal. I think that's something that we need to tap more into because sometimes direct marketing, you know, just, it, it comes in waves, but yeah. you know, kind of using everyone else and kind of using a community where it could be mutually beneficial especially they're talking about uh, New Jersey, uh, like taking away assignments has been a talk of like uh, some title companies aren't accepting assignment contracts anymore. So I think there might be a transition where you actually need to know your buyers. I mean, you can still kind of wholesale deals and bring opportunities to buyers and still get paid for finding them, but it might be a little different than kind of how it's been. Yeah, I like that. I, I, you know, I had a couple of people on, I have another podcast. Oh, we have four podcasts. It's yeah. I can't some, keep up with all yours, man. <laughs> I know it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. And I'm actually creating a fifth one with my wife. So just do yourself a favor and don't tune into everything I do anyway. So, um, I was on a podcast the other day and, yeah. um, the conversation was over and over and over. I get people that go, should I get a real estate license? You know, because there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of legislation heading our way, I'd say over the next three to seven years that state after state after state are going to start having us requ be required. Like, um, what was it? Pennsylvania just put a law in order that says you have to be requ you're required to be a licensed wholesaler. You don't have to be a licensed real estate agent, but you have to be a licensed wholesaler. This is coming down. This like legislation just passed. Okay. They're going to start putting. That's interesting. Super interesting. So I was on the phone with Jerry Norton about it yesterday and he was talking about four other states that are starting to implement it. And what it's, what it is, is it's real estate agents having a hard time competing. So instead of them learning how to implement wholesale, fix and flip, go and figure out cash deals and creative finance. Yeah. Like I, I was texting a, a, an agent yesterday, sends me a deal. I go, ah, it sounds like a sub two. She goes, Oh, what's sub two? And I go, dude, you follow me on Instagram. Like, what do you mean? What's sub two? That's literally all I talk about. Yeah. And she goes, I know, but I don't really know what you're doing. And then I go, 
I'm, I'm like, dude, you've been an agent for 12 years and you don't know what creative finance is, 12 years. Anyway, my point is this. My point is that the, the climate is changing. Yeah. And you need to not be bothered if legislation comes down that says you need to get a license and you need to not be bothered if you are required to um, sell the deal to your actual buyer, have your buyer close on the deal, and then you figure out how to get paid after the transaction. Exactly. That requires you to actually have a conversation with a real buyer, which is something I scream from the freaking mountaintops. So many wholesalers are running out and getting contracts and then they get a contract and they can't sell it because number one, comps don't, your Zillow, your prop stream, your anything does not determine the purchase price. Really the agree. purchase price is determined by the actual buyer of that property. So call a Ricky, call a Pace and say, hey, dude, if somebody calls you and says, hey, I have a deal, isn't that the best call of the day? Dude, yeah. 732-804-9576. Everybody, everybody, here, bro, put your, can you put your stuff in yeah. the chat? Yeah, I'll throw it in there because legit, um, yeah. I mean, for, for a deal, it's like, if you're going to ask me like, you know, what is wholesaling? I don't want to, you know, answer phone calls like that, but a deal, dude, you know how it is. If, if someone calls you about a deal, you'll, um, I don't how do you even do this? Um, I don't know. Give me your number. 732-804-9576. Yeah, if you have a deal, just text me about it. Honestly, like let's uh let's talk about it. But to your point, man, like I uh I, I don't try to give these wholesalers like a hard time sometimes, but like I'll give them feedback on deals and I'm just like, man, I think you're you're like, you're not even in the same ballpark. You're 30 grand over. And here's why, you know, you're comparing your comp to, you know, a property that was built 60 years later. You know, your property is on a double yellow road. You're, this property does, you know, has septic. This compared to the comps have public water and sewage. You know, there's so many just kind of little things that I think, um, you know, people get so excited to get those contracts instead of really spending time. Like I was actually talking with a, a guy who reached out, uh, he heard me on uh, our podcast a couple weeks ago, and he's in New Jersey. And he works for uh, one of the biggest gas companies in the state. So he was kind of trying to figure out, like, how could he he provide value for me? And I'm like, dude, you're you're going to houses all the time. And, you know, you're cutting off gas lines. Like, you're, you're dealing with distressed homes and, and sellers. You know, all you have to do is just tell them that, you know, hey, I have a friend that buys deals and you can you can make money that way as well. So, you know, I just think it's um you got to get creative when it comes to you know, all of this, but you also have to, you know, make sure that you're buying or and contracting deals. And I think the best way to do that is talking to actual buyers and I just give you a buy price. I'm like, "Hey, I can get this for 100, you know, we'll, we'll pay 100 grand for this. Anything you get less than that, keep, man. Like I don't care how much money you make. I hope you get it for 50k." Okay. Yeah, we had a deal last summer where I met the wholesaler at Title. We bumped into each other and they were assigning the deal to me and they made $60,000 and he was embarrassed to tell me. And I go, bro, I go, I'm so pissed off at you right now. He goes, why? Because I made 60 grand. I go, no, bro, because you didn't make more. I want you making more because if you're making more money and I'm your buyer, you're happy. We keep doing deals together. I couldn't care any less how much money you make. Totally understand. Like, I'm rooting for them to make more money, you know, because then they're going to invest in more marketing. 
and then they're going to send us more deals that we're going to buy. So it's like everyone wins. There's not like a limited amount of deals out there, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. So Dylan Good, one of my, um, Dylan Good, Philin Good is what I call him. <laughs> love, love him. He's a great guy. He says, how are you both adjusting and what are you doing to be prepared for what will possibly happen in the next coming years? Yeah, I, I think for us, you know, it's, it's always a constant adjusting, you know, to different marketing, you know, kind of what's going on. Like people even, I had a TikTok question about, uh, you know, what's going to happen with wholesaling if, you know, the market dips and I'm like, it's just going to be different. You know, it's going to be more distress from sellers. Uh, they, they won't think their house is worth, you know, a million dollars and they'll kind of come back to reality, but then there will be, you know, less buyers, um, to sell deals to. So I just think it's always, um, you know, you just have to be used to always adjusting in real estate and not just um, stick to one strategy is kind of probably what I would say. So to the way I the way I look at it is I look at it from the standpoint of let's say that I'm in, I want to be the perfect warrior, right? I want to go out into battle and I want to be armed properly. I want to have a shield. I want to have a sword. I want to have a helmet and I want to have body armor. Right. The way I look at that is I go shield is my creative finance. Sword is my wholesale my body of armors, my fix and flip. And then my helmet is, you know, build, building, developing, or just traditional real estate in terms of, you know, um, being able to do short sales, having somebody on your team. Like my wife can do short sales. She's in, she can do short sale negotiating. So if you're going to be a perfect warrior walking into this war that we're going to have, yeah. don't look at yourself as just a wholesaler. Okay. Totally. Because think about this in a traditional transaction, Who's the, who's the, um, where's the product come from? It comes from a seller, distressed seller. It comes to us, we get it under contract and then we turn around and we assign it to a fix and flipper like Ricky or like myself, right? We assign it to a cash buyer. That cash buyer goes and then fix and flips it. The market is trending upward. And so they know like they're protected by the market instead of the market is in a downward trend. In a downward trend, cash buyers are not buying to fix and flip. They're not stupid. At yeah. least- the majority of them are out of the market. And if they are buying, they're buying so deeply discounted that it is really hard for wholesalers to sell them deals, right? So right. here's what happens in a distress situation. Look back at 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, and 12. Not only did wholesale take a pause for like 18 to 24 months, but what happened is families... John and Betty Smith, they couldn't go out and get a loan because lending requirements got shrunken down. Lend, like traditional lenders basically went away for a number of years. So the guys who are crushing it are the guys nobody talks about because they're not on Instagram. They don't, they're, they're not on YouTube. They're the older guys. What they right. were doing is they were still wholesaling, but what were they wholesaling? They were buying houses subject to wholesaling those to John and Betty Smith who couldn't get a loan to, for their family. So there was no cash buyer there. It was a family that couldn't get qualified for a loan. So in a distressed market, creative finance absolutely destroys everybody because you're solving a problem by taking over a debt that somebody can't pay because the market is crazy. Then you're selling it to somebody that can't go out and get traditional financing and they'll give you a down payment towards that that home. So creative financing, it, I put this on my Facebook this or my Instagram this morning. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, guys, Victoria, absolutely. Has anyone ever used seller finance for a fix and flip? I coined the phrase sub tail. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so a lot of people will talk about wholesale where I buy it wholesale and it's basically just a lipstick fix and flip and I throw it on the market. So I have bought houses subject to, and I've put them on the retail market. Why would I buy a house subject to and not keep it? The reason why is because I bought it subject to and the cash flow is not amazing, but there's enough equity that I can take that to the retail market and make money. Okay. My wife is my listing agent. Oh yeah. Look, my, look, my wife jumping on there. She's the one that lists it and deals with all the buyers. She says, yeah. pays has multiple times. It's a great way to buy without hard money. So yes. And then we also do it with seller finance and we also do a lot of novation agreements. I actually have a seller I'm negotiating with on a novation agreement right now. Ricky, are you familiar with novation agreements? Uh, we've never done one. So a novation agreement in your situation would be amazing. It's it's all primarily used for fix and flip, but it's a seller that says, fix my house while I keep the mortgage in place. You don't have to um, close on it. You don't have to go get hard money. We'll just leave the mortgage in place and I will have the deed and title while you guys go and fix it. You put it on the market. So you basically work out a upfront price and a contract with the seller. You don't close escrow on the purchase. You do the renovation, put it on the retail market. The retail buyer comes in and wipes out all the seller and your profit. So you never even had to take title or uh, you never had to even open yeah. escrow, if that makes sense. Yeah. So do you put, do, do you get a lien on the property then for, for the, yeah, you'll put, so you'll put a, you'll put a, um, a, not only a more a memorandum, but you'll also put a yeah. lien against the property. If I go out and I, let's say I go get a private lender to pay for my construction costs. My private lender comes in with a, a, a note and deed of trust with the seller's permission to put that against their property. Right. Yeah. Okay. Hmm, that's yeah. That's that's interesting. We've we've never done we we haven't done a whole lot of creative deals yet. But I, I think to your point is like uh, you have to get used to you know if if you find a distress situation, you got to figure out a way to solve that problem. And like you know if if a situation like oh eight happened again, you know would we stop fixing flicks? You know flipping houses probably, but we would just transition into, you know, a different way to solve that, that seller's problem. So I think, you know, you, you always kind of preach it, but, but just solving the problem the best way possible and having more tools on your belt is, I mean, a great way to do it. Yeah. And I think that that's what happens with like real estate agents right now is that real estate agents, and this is why did I say real traditional real estate is the helmet, right? Traditional real estate is the helmet of the body because Real estate agents are hard headed. That's why. So one, yeah, one, oh, one track line, market changes, Zillow's coming in, Offerpad, Open Door, all these company, companies are coming in, changing the climate of real estate. And so many agents are just not getting on the, on the wagon. They're not. It's crazy. I, uh, I checked out a, a house in my neighborhood that um, I'm, I might have been looking to buy, and Zillow bought it. So it's, it was the first time I went to one of their homes, but you just go on their app you walk it right outside at the door and you just hit unlock right on your phone and it automatically just unlocks the door and you get like a tour and just no one's there. Like, like I'm wondering like with squatters and stuff like that long-term, like, I don't know if they've, they've thought that through, but the game is definitely changing though. You know? And I think it's the realtors that are savvy and, and are going to adjust. I like, I'm almost thinking like in the future, it's not going to be what we think of a realtor as today. I think no. it's more to be like a consultant 
and they're going to consult you on the best way for you to sell your real estate, whether that is putting it on the market, selling to a guy like us, you know, doing something creative. But I think we'll become like kind of more consultive than kind of the traditional ways of doing things in the future. I don't know what you think about that. I, I agree with all that, 100%. This is an interesting question my wife is proposing for us. So Laura on the internet, sexiest Laura on the internet, by the way. Unbelievable. So she says to me, um, ooh, I got this really good question. Do you hold on just a second? And then we'll come back to this because I think this one's that one with my wife is a longer question. Okay. Um, I posted a question about negative equity in a property earlier in the creative finance group. Can you talk about that? Shaquan, let me ask you a question. Do you think I pay my bills with equity? The answer is no. I don't care about equity. I just bought it. Anybody that follows me on Instagram, I was just in um, or, uh, Atlanta last week, bought a $1.1 million home for basically what it's worth. But why did I buy it? I bought it on seller finance. It's a gorgeous home in like the most ritzy area of Atlanta. Why would I buy this house? Well, because I'm turning it into an Airbnb, or at least I'm hoping to. I haven't, I haven't turned it into an Airbnb yet, but I don't care about equity. I never have cared about equity because let me tell you something. This is going to be go on a t-shirt or on my tombstone. Equity comes and equity goes. Cash flow always stays. The actual phrase I came up with was equity comes, equity goes, but the cash will always flow. So you you have to understand that we don't pay our bills with equity. I don't go down. I, I My wife and I just had dinner. I don't go down and pay my dinner bill with my equity. I pay my dinner bill with my cash flow. So I buy properties primarily. And you'll see some students of mine, when they first come into my mentorship, they'll go, hey, I've got this deal has a ton of equity. I go, that I don't care about that. I care about what's my ability to cash flow. And it's the same thing with a property that even I'm paying $40,000, $50,000 more than what it's worth. I care more about what, how easy is it to get into the deal and can I cash flow? So equity comes and equity goes, but the cash will always flow. Yeah, okay? no, it's huge too, because like, you know, um, there's a ton of deals. Like, like we're, we're not doing the creative stuff right now. We might branch out in the future, but we come across a, a deal and there's no equity. You know, we're, we're just turning, we're, we're not doing anything with those. And a lot of people in our market are doing the same thing. So like some of your students who, you know, they know how to underwrite these creative deals and, and, you know, they're working with you guys on deals. I just see like such a big opportunity over there of, you know, even if guys like, if, if guys like me and I know the other buyers, they're not really touching those low equity. I feel like, like people aren't really even hitting up those low equity people. So, you know, hundred percent, bro. hundred percent. So, my wife, this is a really good question for you and I, because I think you yeah. and I maybe do this the same way. I hope we do, but I might, I might be wrong. My wife wanted me to go over yeah, what she said. the cost of getting into a fix and flip, right? So yeah. when you do a fix and flip, mm -hmm. Ricky, and Rick, Ricky, when did you start real estate? A year and a half ago. Okay. So in a year and a half, did it take you a year and a half to figure out how to do those you know, 15 deals that you've done or on deal one, did you have access to capital? How did that look? What does that look like? Yeah. So we definitely started out wholesaling deals at first. So what was kind of interesting is we didn't have capital. We were just wholesaling deals. And then we had one last uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve of last year, a deal came in through a text message and it was a, it was a $40,000 
we, we double closed it. So we just, this was the first time we took a private money loan. So after we did a couple wholesales, what happened was some, a uh, couple of people that I knew, uh, family, friends, and, and just people in my network, they actually came to me and they asked me, Hey, how can I get involved? So I think that's important too, guys, like start doing some like transactions and just start showing that you actually do real estate deals. And I think a lot of the times the money will come to you because we have almost, we have about a million dollars in private money and I never, you know, went out and raised any of that. It always just came to me from, from people wanting to, you know, guys like with 401ks, you know, kind of want to diversify. Um, we pay them 10% interest only on the back end is how we do most of our private money loans. So definitely like, like I think when you're starting out, I would say, you know, wholesale a couple deals or like partner with, um, you know, a guy like, like, you know, bring an opportunity to someone who's done some deals. And as long as everyone can make some money on it, or even if it's your first one, don't even try, don't even worry about the money that you're going to make on it. Just, just worry about learning the experience and getting yourself involved in a fix and flip with someone that knows what they're doing, because it, it could be a lot to just take on that as like your first real estate transaction all by yourself. Yeah, I like all of that. So, so something that I point out to everybody, guys, we're doing probably four to six fix and flips every month. My wife is my um, listing agent. I don't even know what's going on with the listings. Uh, we have a Slack channel, but I'm in the Slack channels. I just don't check them on the fix and flips because we have a really good team that handles it, my wife being one of them. And um, our, on all of our fix and flips, people ask me, how much money did you have to put together? How much money did you have to save up? Guys, we have probably 15 to 20 houses between houses we're buying right now, houses that are in construction and houses that are currently on the market or in escrow. And not a single one of those houses do I have a single dollar involved in. Yeah, I've never spent uh, a dollar of my own money to fund any of my real estate deals. Right. People need to understand that because it's a big hesitation of theirs. Like you're making 70K on average per deal, bro. And you have none of your own money involved. Yeah. And I, I think what people that they, they skip the getting really good at this business first before the money mm -hmm. comes to you, you know, become, if you become an expert and you start doing deals, you, like I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, like the more deals you did, the more money came that, that, that started coming to you, more people wanted to get involved. So I, I think people always have to kind of be thinking in that lens as well where they might not know where the money is going to come from like right now, but don't worry about that. Just worry about finding deals. And if it's a good enough deal, you will for sure be able to find money for it. Yeah. Guys, um, who's excited about my um, my wife and my podcast? I, I see my wife blown up the comments. So I've never seen my wife this active, but because we're talking about traditional real estate and fixing and flipping, so that's where she's um, an expert. I mean, she's obviously very good at, with creative finance and everything else as well. She is the listing agent for our new builds. We have um, 10 new builds that are being built right now, and she's our agent on those. There's not much about real estate that my wife doesn't know. She actually knows way more about traditional real estate than I do with short sales and stuff like that because she's actually negotiated and dealt with them. But I mean, how often do you get an agent that jumps. My wife is a licensed agent. She's been licensed for 10 plus years. And you get an agent that comes in here talking about don't miss out on low equity deals. Her and I are creating a podcast called Profit and Love. 
It was originally going to be called P and L just for profit and loss. But then I was like, profit and loss. Like my wife, I don't want my wife like looked at as the, the loss on the L. Right. And so we created it as profit and love um, should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. And we talk primarily about traditional real estate and also um, a relationship with your significant other. You, they don't, you don't have to be married. You don't have to be um, male and female. It can be two guys, two, two girls, doesn't matter. We're going to have multiple married guests on the show talking about how they're building their businesses together, the I challenges and all of those types of things going on. Um, just to shed some light on the challenges that her and I have had, how we overcame them, what mind space we're currently in, what things we're working on now. And we're and having married people come on the show to highlight that relationship, I, I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, I think that's awesome. Like um, I recently uh, got into an awesome relationship and uh, with, with Dana, I don't know if she's watching still, but uh, I was kind of talking to her about like life as a real estate investor is like, it's different you know, than like a, a normal life. So I, I feel like to um, kind of hear your perspective of, you know, you and Laura seem to, you know, just be be killing life and, and have such a beautiful family and stuff that it'd be really cool to get your guys' perspective on on kind of that dynamic and, and how to really have a successful kind of relationship through all this. Because it's a crazy life for sure. You know, It is a crazy life. I, th I, I think um, part of it is picking the right partner up front. Yeah. Um, that's part of it. And then part of it is also being mature enough to recognize, you know, when you are the issue in the relationship and then being smart enough to ask, Hey, how can I help overcome these issues or whatever it is from the outside, looking into other people's relationships. One, I just look at some people get together and I'm like, you should bro, like you want to create a family with kids and this girl you're with wants to party like that's probably not a good fit right now, maybe in five years, right? Maybe date, don't get married. Um, and vice versa, same thing. Like we've, we actually, I know a girl that divorced a guy because he was addicted to video games. Like literally would go to bed at three o'clock in the morning, wake up at like nine, 10 the next day, jump right back on video games and like, Hey, have a good day. You know, sweetheart, go make that money. I'll see you at home later. She comes home. He's playing video games. Yeah, obviously that's a significant issue, right? And you want to make sure that you're not marrying and connecting with the, the wrong people. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But I think the main thing we'll talk about is what are her responsibilities? What are mine? Um, if she's falling you know, short, how do I come up to the table? And definitely when I fall short, how does my wife come to the table with all of her things? And what are those things? Mechanic, what do they actually look like, right? The meat and potatoes of the conversation, I think will be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, it was funny. I was talking to, I got lunch with Bobby today. Uh, your camera. Oh, guy. you got lunch with Bobster the Lobster? Yeah, yeah, dude. So uh, I'm like building like a home studio. Like I, I like ordered like $10,000 of equipment. Like he hooked wow. it up. Yeah, yeah. So it's so a more content, Flip Labs, more more content on the way. Love um, it. But it was funny. I was talking to him. I was like, um, you know, you kind of been with Pace, you know, along this road, like, what did you kind of see from Pace, like how he's grown in this community and done all this stuff? He's like, dude, Pace is always at it. Like, you know, and I've seen that too. But so that's why I think it'd be cool to hear how, you know, you can do so much. Like, I feel like you're always working and always doing things, but then you also have like this like awesome family life too. So I think it'd be kind of cool to get, get that uh, perspective from uh, you and Laura kind of hearing her side of things. I think, I think for sure, like 
what we're doing, um, people are like, why is it taking so long to do the podcast? Like do the podcast already. And I go, well, dude, my graphic designer, Georgia, we, I talked to her and I said, I really want my wife to be the prominent figure in this, um, in this podcast, not me. Like Sunday service is my podcast. So I can do what I want, talk as much as I want, have whatever guests I want. It's about whatever I feel and it's mine, but like the profit and love, I don't want to dominate it. I want my wife to be the showrunner. And so the graphic design behind it needs to show like her power and what she brings to the table um, because she actually is, um, I don't know what word I would want to use without upsetting people, but my wife is more submissive. She's more, I'm traditional sense of like, my husband says this, we're going to do this, right? Unless it's like, obviously, you know, we're jumping off a cliff or something. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is my wife um, is so incredibly good behind the scenes that I really want to push her to the forefront and show and highlight the things that she's doing really, really well. And I think in those conversations, we'll be able to um, highlight how that allows me to do all the things that I do, right? So I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. Cool concept. Also, she, she got to teach me how to go viral on TikTok. Bro, she had two, mil, 2 million plus views on that one baby powder thing. I know. I saw that. I'm trying to grow the TikTok and I'm like, damn, Laura is just crushing the TikTok game. I, I know, dude. I almost want to give up because I'm not a hot chick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> is that what it is, Pace? That's why. I, that's why I think so. <laughs> I'm going to get my girlfriend on my, on my uh, TikToks then. You should, bro. Um, all right, guys. So we've got just a couple of minutes left for Sunday service. Who got value tonight? How my wife, this is so funny. My wife says I'm along for the ride, which is so not true. She is absolutely as, as everybody's going to say, you know, this is the cliche stuff. My wife is my motivation, just like your girlfriend, you know, is currently your motivation. And it's, it's nice to be on the same page. Um, but my wife really, really does call the shots on certain things. So, um, it'll be a lot of fun to have those conversations, but Ricky, I think my sub two students are going to be pumped Thursday, 5 PM Arizona time. You come into their accountability group talk about um, how you guys can do deals together in the the Jersey market. What do you feel like you need in the Jersey market right now? What do you and your partner, Steve, need right now? Definitely flips. So single family flips in uh, Monmouth, Ocean, Mercer, Burlington, and Camden County. So kind of central South Jersey. Uh, we're looking for single families between 200 to 600 ARV. Uh, just any distress situation, just send us an address. We'll we'll give you a buy price, and then, um, you know, if you want to contract it, or if you just want us to, like, we could just take it over. However, it is, but you know, we're we're super flexible and easy with that. And um, yeah, any one of your students that just wants uh wants some advice or pick my brain, um, who's listening tonight, just just reach out to me. I gave my cell in here, so just do that or or Instagram. I'd be happy to uh, you know help your community the, the way you kind of help me get to this point. Bro, we're going to do plenty more content together. Um, I'll, I'd love to have you back out on Sunday service. We've got yeah. um, average viewership today was over 325, which is pretty decent it. for Sunday at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, really and appreciate so, you guys. A couple of weeks, Bobby's going to set up uh, the studio for me. So, so we'll be rocking and rolling. Bro, anytime you need help, I think I, I, Bobby and I were talking about last night at our Christmas party. He goes, Ricky, I'm going to do this stuff for Ricky. And it, he goes, I should just tell him that you probably know more about the studio stuff at this point than I do. 
He says you're any, getting any questions you have about like connectivity or any of that kind of stuff, let me know. I I haven't even literally like what you guys see. I have not even done 20% of what we plan on doing in the next 30 days. We just have like ordered everything, but everything's on back order. So we've hodgepodged everything together, but this, our studio is going to be pretty epic in the next yeah. three, four months. I'll have to come check it out and uh, we'll have to uh, see each other's uh, setups. Guys, uh, so everybody, here's, here's what I want you guys to do before we wrap up. Reach out to Ricky, um, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or we put his phone number up here. Um, his Instagram is real estate Ricky underscore. Don't forget the underscore because I have before forgotten the underscore when I tag you and I have to go back and try and retag you. So do not forget the underscore uh, real estate Ricky underscore, as you can see on his name. Um, who thinks we should have my wife come in to Sunday service next week as the main guest? Would anybody get value out of having my wife? I've been doing this podcast for two years, not quite, maybe a year and a half, but we've been streaming it live for about nine months. Um, would anybody get value from having my wife come in? And if so, tag her on Instagram, let her know. Let's, let's see if we can get her convinced to come over here. Um, Ricky, you're the freaking man. Sorry, you pace, man. Gonna, it, it, it was fun. I'm going to set up a zoom for you and my students. Um, and then yeah. I'm going to put your contact information on my Instagram and let everybody know to go back and rewatch this episode. Cause I think it was really, really good before yeah, we leave value out of it. Shane asked, what are the list of counties that you want to do one more time? Yeah. Uh, Monmouth County, Ocean County, Mercer County, Burlington County, Camden County, and Middlesex County in New Jersey. But we will dispo any deal in um, anywhere like North Jersey and Philly. We, we could dispo deals, but we're just not, we're just fixing and flipping in those counties I listed. But we could help dispo deals or wholesale deals all over the place in the Northeast. Love it. You're the man, brother. We'll see you soon. All right, man. Appreciate it. See you guys on uh, next week's Sunday service. And tomorrow I'll see you on Wholesale Hotline. And I will see you in Dallas tomorrow. Unfortunately, I have to fly out to Dallas again to have a lot of fun actually at Donovan Ruffin's event uh, tomorrow. Jamil and I will be speaking on stage. If you're in Dallas, come out, check out um, 